Hey everybody, it's Opinions with Sheep with Kieran and Chad! Oh my god! How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing alright. It was funny, I saw some Facebook meme thing and it was just like, how come millennials all want to die? And it's like, well here's a six paragraph answer to why millennials want to die. And I feel like it ruined the fun out of wanting to die. Like when you over explain the want to take a suicide, it doesn't make you want to do it so much anymore. It's just like, fine. Like, it, it just, it, it's not the mood I wanted today. I'm doing great, thanks for asking. I'm glad you're doing and, great, Cameron. And you're right. It's, um, it's a wonderful, we're, we're finally in August, which we is are. kind of a big deal, if you think about it. What, what do you like about August? Um, nothing. And to be frank, I want to die. Oh, cool. We did That's it. That. We did it. Yeah. We, we succeeded. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, my, my week was kind of boring, but I heard that you had an interesting week. I've actually had a really busy week, and if, if people want to hear about all my fun shenanigans, this is the venue for that, because it's a podcast. I'm a white guy with a podcast, but we started it before COVID, so we don't have an excuse. Um, I, I had my first meeting with a vocal coach on Friday of last week. I've been meaning to do this for some time work on my screams, figure out what's going on with my throat. And it went really, really well. It was it was a lot of fun. I was like legitimately like having anxiety attacks that day because I was nervous that everything that could go wrong would go wrong. You know how it goes. Like I actually had stress dreams the night of where like I saw this coach and he was just like, oh, I can't help you. You're too bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep, keep the $75 though. And then... uh uh, that was like how it ended, and I woke up like extremely pissed off. I was like, "How dare that motherfucker!" It, it turns out it didn't happen that way. Dreams are stupid; they don't mean anything. Um, but the lesson was pretty cool. Um, Mark was a lot of fun. We we uh, they, I guess I don't know how to approach this conversation. Like, do you does anybody even care? Yes. Okay. I well let, let me let me frame where I'm coming from. Um, I have a respect for vocalists, as well as, like, you know, ranging from singer to actor, mm-hmm. and just narrator, public speaking. There is a lot of art and practice and talent that goes into speaking well, and I feel like it's slightly underappreciated. Like, oh, people sure. love the, the lead singer of a band, but you don't, you don't like, sit back and go, boy, that, that narration piece was done very solid, and it, he kept the same tone the whole time. And it wasn't distracting. You know what's great? That I've been listening to that podcast you recommended last week, the Political Orphanage. I love that dude, how he talks and how he speaks. Yes, it's great. Like he's got he he has a lot of authority. He's got a lot of comedy. Uh, the production on his audio is really good. Like it's so crystal clear all the time. There are no blips or boops. That the kind of shit that is going to show up on our show it is a really really well done podcast. And I feel like. He's good at interviewing, he's good at uh, speaking his mind in a proper way, like, he, he just all those things, like you said, that I value, but you don't always think about until you're, like, hearing or experiencing a really good version of it, right? It's sort of like good background music. You don't notice it unless it's really good or really bad. Exactly. So keeping that in mind and trying to be a little more aware, I'm eager to hear how your, your coaching session went. So, and maybe some of the, the process of improving one's voice. Okay. So my I went into this. My biggest worry was that he was going to tell me I was not using my false chords at all to make the noises I make and that I basically would have to restart from ground zero because that was, to me, a distinct possibility. There are a lot of ways to make these weird noises. Only a couple of them are safe. Um, and so the idea of that maybe I'm not doing it as safely as I could be or I'm just not doing it safely at all and it's all been this weird two-year ruse uh, – a piece of paranoia, right? And so, like, right off the bat, you know, we're having this conversation. What do I want out of these lessons? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to sound like? You know, kind of things like that. And he's like, well, okay. You have a foundation that's good. Like, you, you've clearly been working at this. You're at a, a decent spot. We just need to move things around and make it so you're you're being more efficient with your voice and your body. And I was like, that is literally why I'm here. So, first, like, ten minutes of it, like, all everything that was making me nervous the entire day was like, okay, it's gone. Now we can start working on how do I improve and, you know, whether it's basic stuff like breathing or a little more um, advanced stuff like resonance placement, uh, we can do that. And so it was uh, it was really fun to, the way he had the lesson set up uh, is like, okay, these are the three big things that go into 
doing this kind of uh, scream or even just kind of singing, though, is like you need to have proper breathing and posture. So that means uh, pushing from the diaphragm and your, your abdominal muscles. So we walked through exercises on that, like breathing in, breathing out. And he, he did it just long enough to be like, it looks like you got it or you at least know what the feeling is so you can practice this on your own. Let's go to the next thing. And then let's go to the next thing. Um, and so he split the lesson up really well in that way. And it's nice to know that like one of the things that I'm, I'm doing wrong but is fixable is where I'm placing the distortion in my mouth. And I always thought like, oh, you put it further back if you want lower notes because the, the curvature of the back of your mouth is like a cavern back there. And so you put it there and it sounds like you're in a cave and it's really dark and gurgly and whatnot. And there's truth to that, but if you put it too far back, it falls down onto your vocal cords again, which is what I was doing, and why I would dry out so quickly, or my throat would kind of get really raspy. Um, and so his thing is, okay, we need to move it forward in your mouth. Most of what he does, even if it's really low, is forward in his mouth. Um, and once we do that, you're going to remove some of your vocal cord stuff. It's going to be way safer. It's going to be a lot easier to do. And so he's gave me exercises for that that I've been practicing all week. And I actually have another lesson with him at the end of this month. But it, it was just, it was a lot of fun because it's, he really knew what he was talking about. He knew how to get me to basically succeed in what he wanted me to do. And then at the end of the lesson, he sent me like a bunch of MP3s on like, here's what we learned. If you don't, just so you don't forget, here's how you can keep going, you know, so you don't have to like, you don't have to take a ton of notes or whatever. So he's a really great vocal coach. Uh, at the end, it was kind of fun because we actually got to do some of the false chord stuff. And he's like, the best way to do this is just to bark like a dog. So we're just going to bark like angry dogs at each other. and It's going to be fine. It's going to stare each other in the eyes like two dudes do when they bark like angry dogs. And so he made it really fun. Like he's telling shitloads of bad dad jokes that are making me crack up because I'm diseased. And it was it was a really, really good time. Like I'm excited to have another one. I feel like the things I learned are really going to help me become better at what I want to do. Good. I don't, know. I don't know what to respond with there. I, I, I could get into like some of the weeds on this. Uh, I don't know if people are interested in that. Um, I do know that like as far as resonance placement, where you're talking from, and where the... Distortion's kind of the wrong word, because uh, singers and speakers are going to do this too, where you want to talk from the front of your mouth if you want to sound like more forceful or louder, because that, that's just it's going to increase your volume for less effort. And so how do you push your sound towards your teeth instead of the back of your throat. And I kind of talk a lot from the back of my throat, and so I've been trying to talk more forward because it's better for you, but also it does sound clear and uh, louder. Uh, for for vocalists, a lot of the what you hear is, if you put a pencil between your front teeth, you make a noise, you're trying to make the noise above the pencil, basically get, get it to feel like in your nose, in the front of your lips, uh, the tops of your your front teeth and, and, and sh shake the tissues there. Cause if you do it right, you'll actually feel like a buzz in the, in your front of your face. Like you're like, got like a mask on and it's like, um, and I've seen this before in YouTube videos. Other vocal coaches have talked about it. None of them explain in detail what that means or how you do it, which is always why it's been really frustrating. You're like, Oh, I just got to do this, this thing that they're not clearly telling me how to do. And you're, how am I supposed to learn if I'm not, if you're not explaining yourself right? So it was great to get some actual clarity on this. Um, and, and he basically had me do it and he's like, if you're probably not going to get it right, so I'm going to tell you exactly how you do it. And the re way you do it is, uh, if you make like an E noise, cause that, that's very frontal. Put your tongue against the back of your teeth. No, no force, but just a little bit push it forward. And it's going to raise it a little bit and it's basically going to kind of like, uh, you dug like a, a a dam or something, you know, and you canaled water, so it, it moved away. Like you're you're making it, the air flow towards that part of your mouth with your tongue, and that's how you do it. And once you get down with that, then you can kind of do it without using your tongue that way. And and, and so I've like, I've been practicing that pretty much all week on my lunch breaks and, and different uh, vowels, different registers, trying to keep everything more forward. And I feel like I've gotten better at it, so I'm kind of excited to go into the next lesson. And be like, hey, I did one of the things you told me to. What's step two? You know, what, what do we do now to, to uh, make this better? It's been neat. And, and uh, you, know, you learn a lot about your mouth, right? Like, you don't think about a lot of this stuff until you really need to get into the, the woods on it. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, it's, 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 you're getting into advanced stuff now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it is cool. Well, I, I really had a lot of fun with that, and I'm, I'm 
really excited to keep going with it. Um, he sent me like a song. He's like, I bet I can get you to sound like this guy in four lessons. And the dude sounded like just fucking gross. And I was like, yes, I will absolutely <laughs> keep doing this if you can get me to sound like that guy. I'm glad you had a good visit then. Yeah, it was it was neat. It's cool that like, you know, I swiped a webcam from work and you can just like take lessons with people over the internet like that. Like we live in such a cool time where that's a possibility because he lives in a pretty big city in like Arizona. I live in a small city in Wisconsin, right? Like there's nobody really around here that could do something like this for me. And so to just be like, well, I can pay a dude online and we can have these lessons and it's He's not here, but he's the next best thing. He can visually see me and tell me if my posture's bad or whatnot. Like, it's really cool that that we can do that. Yeah, that is cool. I, and it's the other thing, too. What a weird time that you chose now to finally speak to a vocal coach when you can't go outside anymore. Yeah. But then it's, like, not actually that big of a deal. You just do it. Mm-hmm. I would say... Because at some point I want to take at least one or two lessons for bass guitar because I'm trying to get back into that again. And I've been playing it every day this week. Um, I would want someone there just to kind of be able to like, no, your hands are in the wrong spot and just kind of, you know, force yeah. my hands into the claw shape they need to be to hit them fucking strings because, God, I suck at that thing. It is really hard. Yay. But that was that was the big highlight of my weekend and my week at... Uh, Work's been all right. We had a we had an audit, but that went really well, so that's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I started watching Venture Brothers. That's a fun. I show. love Venture Brothers. It's a great. Yeah, we're we're watching it as a family. We're most of the way through season one, I think. But what a what a fun, silly, stupid show. We finished Archer, so it's like, well, I guess this is next. I don't care for Archer. Hmm. I can see how it's not for everybody, and the, the the later seasons definitely get kind of weird when he's like in a coma and they're doing just weird themed seasons. But I, I actually really really like Archer a lot. I think a lot of cartoons right now aren't for everybody. Sure. Um, did you hear they're gonna they're gonna like reboot Ren and Stimpy? I did hear that. That is weird. So well, yeah, they did that thing where they said it's gonna be reimagined, and mm. it's like right there. What's the point of? What's the point of making things where you're... It's like, well, we don't want the built-in audience, and this doesn't appeal to a new audience, so we'll make no one happy. Right. Except for people that just have brand loyalty regardless. I feel like the big thing with Ren and Stimpy 2 is the animations, and it's all hand-drawn. Like, when we, we did that episode on that show, and we watched a couple episodes, and it's like, as much as this doesn't always appeal to me as a cartoon, because it's just kind of gross and stupid, it, it, you can tell it is just lovingly handmade, and, and to see it in Flash is not what I want, you know? Well, that's the thing. I I don't know what reimagined actually means. Something that I appreciate with Ren and Stimpy is that they never recycled frames. Right. Um. Every time they had, like, a reaction shot, it was a new face. Um... It, they they would always draw things new. They never recycled backgrounds. Like every every episode, they lived in a different house. Like there's a lot of things that they don't do in cartoons right now. And we're, like we were talking about the Looney Tunes reboot thing, they're pretty faithful to what Looney Tunes are. So it's like okay, I get where you're going with it. Sure. Um, with a with Ren and Stimpy, like well, we're gonna change it. Like well, then why don't you just make something new? Yeah. I, I don't I don't get the appeal. If you were to make something that had the same sense of humor, but without the baggage, I feel like that could maybe go further. And it might still have a limited audience, and it might cost more than you want to spend, but it might be worth doing. Yeah, for sure. And I sure. don't know that a reimagined Ren and Stimpy is worth doing. So, uh... uh I don't it's know. Speaking of cartoons... Oh, yeah? I mean, I hope it's good, just because, like, more good shows oh, yeah. is good for everybody, but I just I don't Not I don't have faith in anything anymore. Ah, it's good. Oh, I like this I'm beer. I'm, I'm drinking my rosé. I love it. So, speaking of faith and things not being good, you know what came out last week? What? Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. Oh man, that's my favorite card game. 
Um, it's going to be... I, I haven't seen it yet. I'm actually... I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think episodes come out on Friday. So, so actually, if I subscribe tomorrow, I could get two episodes right then and, and judge for myself. Oh, it's a TV show. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was a video game thing, Star Trek Online, like a new expansion. No. Oh, you never... Did you ever... I don't think you saw the trailer even. No. Let me show you the trailer real quick. Yeah, let's 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 live watch a trailer. Captain's log. Start oh, I think I saw some screens of this in a writing Discord, Adam. I'm in, and they were posted without context, so I have no idea what they were about. One must be ready for anything. Were you just like, were they griping about it? Because that's what most people are doing. They, I'm not sure. I can't believe it! This is the greatest ship I've ever seen! Hey, you! Bring her so, is this done by, like, the Rick and Morty guys, or...? Yeah. Okay. Exploring strange new worlds and solving space mysteries. Let's see what I got assigned. Holodeck waste removal. That's Klingon prison stuff. Ensign, do you see a captain's chair in your future? I hope so, ma'am. I kind of don't hate this, but I also don't have a huge attachment to Star Trek. Well, that's the thing. I I half wonder if um like does this appeal more to longtime Star Trek, or is this trying to bring in a new audience? I mean, this would bring in me as a new audience because you go, oh, the Rick and Morty guys are behind it. It's like, oh, I fucking love that show. I'm down for more of their stuff. I'll, uh, I'll give you my CBS login if you want to try an episode. Yeah. We're not really elite. We're more like the cool, scrappy underdogs. We are so getting fired for this. Attention all decks! There's a certain, like, high schoolness to the way these characters are acting that I don't, yeah. I don't dislike, though. It seems like, I don't know, people that are immature and bad at their jobs, but it's in space. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, that's a really easy recipe. Putting the Star Trek name on it is maybe not the best move, just because that's not what people go to Star Trek for. He's naked. <laughs> no, this looks pretty fun. I would watch this. It, so I find it interesting that that's where your mind went, because... That's kind of my question is, um, like, you ask, is this what Star Trek fans are looking for? And my whole problem is I don't even know what Star Trek is anymore because, like, be between Discovery and Picard and, like, the, the last couple of movies, and it's like, what is even going on? Like, like what is this audience? Because it Discovery and Picard both really lean into the action, mm -hmm. and there's explosions and spies, and everyone's bad guy, and everyone's like racist and evil, and it's like the <laughs> I go to Star Trek for the optimism. <laughs> Picard was like, interesting. I watched the first episode of that, right? And like it was good, but the weakest part was the action, and there was more than it needed. And it's like this isn't this isn't why I would go to Star Trek normally. I, like I. Not huge into it, but I also get, like, there's a thesis to Star Trek, and action isn't it, and this weird high school comedy also isn't it, but I'm, I'm, if something makes me laugh, I can forgive a lot. So I'm willing to take a comedy thing and be like, well, if I don't like it, who cares? If I yeah. do like it, then, hey, I'm laughing, I need to laugh more, laughing good. Did, um, did you ever watch The Orville? No. I love that. It's, it's not Star Trek. But it's clearly Star Trek inspired, and it's it's Seth MacFarlane telling his his poop jokes, and that's fun. But the, he, it's like he tries to have a serious Star Trek episode at the same time, mm. and he kind of walks this line where you can tell that the intent of this episode was, here's this sci-fi adventure, and then it's like, okay, yeah, but we have to fit in jokes because it's a comedy, and he's right. like, oh yeah. So, you know, there's like there's little bits that don't work. And there's some bits that kind of do. And I it kind of gets a pass because it's not labeled Star Trek. So when they break, you know, quote unquote, like continuity or seriousness or or things aren't logical, um, it's okay because it's a comedy and it gets a pass. Sure. Because there's, there's going to be some room for silly things to happen. I feel similarly with this, even though it has the Star Trek label, 
it's a cartoon, so if something silly happens, it's like, oh, it's a cartoon, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, not all these jokes landed. I wonder if context might help a little bit. Yeah, I'm hoping but I, so. I, yeah, I just, I think about in Discovery, like, when the when the science lady says, that's the power of math, people, and it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> and I'm not the only person that feels that way, because that's also, like, I literally said that out loud, and then later, like, Red Letter Media had a review that went up, and that was exactly how they phrased it. It's, oh, like, wow. it's upsetting to hear yeah. <laughs> that specific line is delivered in the cringiest way possible. I don't get that vibe from this. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. smarter people are dealing with this, even though it is a, it's a silly comedy, Pickle Rick. Uh, it's it's actually like, okay, no, they, I feel like they appreciate some of the stuff. Um, I, man, that Pickle Rick episode... It became a meme, and it got like a lot of hate. But it is like legitimately one of my favorite episodes of Rick and Morty. I don't. I think Rick and Morty's good. It, the fan base makes it hard to enjoy. Oh yeah, the fan base is awesome. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the show. I think they do a good work on it. Um, and again with this, like you're not a you're not a huge fan, but I noticed little things that I kind of like, and okay. there's little situations that I kind of like. Um, I, I like the idea of them, like, they have to clean out the, um, the holodeck, because it's just full of, like, presumably just a lot of, like, vomit and cum. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine there'd be a lot of cum on the floor of the holodeck. So that's fun. <laughs> it's like, that's a fun joke to acknowledge that someone has to go in there and, like, pull out the garbage bin. Yeah. And clean up afterwards. I like the, uh, like, when they walk into the bed bay, and there's, like, Oh, alien virus is turning everyone into zombies, and it's just, it's annoying. There's a bunch of <laughs> there's yeah. a bunch of red shirts here. You gotta hold this heart for a little bit. Um, I love that there's a Cation, the the cat lady. Yeah, I was, was down. A, I'm always down for more cat ladies. Yeah, there's a cat lady in the old cartoon, and that feels like a deliberate choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love how. Like the the people on the bridge are all like buff and muscular and heroic, and it's like, yeah, but they're also important. And there's like a thousand people that work on this ship that aren't important. Yeah, the idea of taking like a big sci-fi thing and just like drilling down to like the guy with a day job that isn't glamorous but needs to be done is always really interesting to me, and I'm kind of surprised we don't see more of it and stuff. Oh yeah, I there's a lot. Yeah. There's actually a lot of video games like that too. Um, do you remember that one where you're a janitor on the space station after an alien invasion? Oh, Space Station Thirteen. No. <laughs> um, that too. But I, I love the multiplayer aspect of that. Mm-hmm. But there's another one where it's like after aliens, uh, oh, the, wow. the guy that has to go in and clean up the spaceship because there's blood and alien goo everywhere. Sure. And it's like, there's not a threat, it's literally just a cleaning simulator, but with like, oh, there's sci-fi problems. And it's a I fun like that, concept to, to dig into, so I'm happy to see a TV show that kind of does that. Yeah. Because like, if, if I like realistically pictured myself on a spaceship like that, it wouldn't be in an important role. I'm not that smart or good at anything. I'd be, I'm like the data entry guy, whatever the equivalent of spaceship data entry is, is probably what I'm doing. And so I want I want to see a story that that I could do in a spaceship story, like you know I'm I want my fiction to be fan be fun like that, but grounded and realistic. I'm I'm old and depressed now. Yeah, there's a there's a part of Star Trek where the implication is that this is kind of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's supposed to be this like idyllic future of humanity, but realistically, if you're on the Enterprise, that means you are like the best that humanity has to offer. Sure. So you're not necessarily going to see janitors like you would assume there's a janitor robot. Right. But but realistically, no, someone has to clean up this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you never really saw Voyager, did you? Nope. So Voyager's the one, do you know which one that is, where they're like lost in space? It's the one where they're lost in space. And in like one of the first episodes, they pick up this alien that's kind of local to that area of space. And he's got this like junky little shuttle that he lives in pretty much and they they pick him up to to help with something real quick and he pretty much like volunteers to join their crew and he he's not actually like competent um some people refer to him as the jar jar of star trek which is 
I think more mean spirited than it should be. Mm-hmm. But he he basically like he's not he didn't go through you know military training at Starfleet Academy, but he knows the locals. Oh, so sure. it's like well, there's there's valuable information there, but he also is very friendly and wants to help. So he like volunteers to be the chef. And even though I have a replicator, everyone kind of complains that the replicator doesn't make food that good. So he like converts this whole part of the the kitchen into a, a functioning kitchen and cooks food. And he becomes like the he's like a, an impromptu counselor because he just he likes to listen. That's fun. I like that. Well, yeah, and it's like I want to see more of this in the Star Trek setting. Um, it's a it's a fun dichotomy between him and the rest of the crew because he's also like this weird alien that's a little different than everybody else um so like sometimes he doesn't quite relate to things sure but also like he'll walk into a room and go oh this is everything's all gray i'll I'll hang up some some tapestries or or things and then like later in the episode there's like rugs and things hanging from the ceiling to make it prettier nice and it's like little things like that where it's like ah we love you neelix I like the idea, it's like, we got an alien for a cook, and he's like, if by land, cyanide is a delicacy. Well, that's the thing, like, Janeway, the captain loves coffee, and there's an episode where they didn't have enough, like, replicator power to go around, and so she's just, like, jonesing for coffee, and Neelix is like, well, don't worry, I have something better than coffee, and he pulls out this weird cup thing, and he pours it, and it's like this thick tar, and he's like, I don't know what coffee is, but this is great. You'll love this. <laughs> and then she just kind of like glares at him and leaves. Does she not even try it? No, she she almost does, but then like she got called away and she's like, I'll try it later, Neelix. And Janeway out. And she walks away. What a bitch. I love Janeway. Fuck you. <laughs> she's the first woman in space and you'll respect her for it. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of a, of a sci-fi story where it's like the first... It's like Star Trek for humans, right? Like the, the first fleet going out looking for alien life, we're gonna explore the cosmos, and then they find an alien and he's just, like, trying to hitchhike and so he's doing, like, the thumb thing. And so for them it's this huge, you're like, oh my god, we found a fucking alien. You know, the world's never gonna be the same since. And he's just like, hey, can you take me to, like, the strip club in Alpha Centauri 9? I'm trying to get over there, my ship broke down, I'm meeting some guys for a bachelor party. You know, just, like, normal shit for him, and they're just, like, freaking the fuck out. Like, I think, I think there's potential there. Yeah, wasn't that a... That was a movie, wasn't it? Was it? Um, it was It was more like an alien on Earth. Oh! Yeah, um, I think... But he was just, like, really casual about everything. I want to say the guy that, uh... It was, it was a comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to think, is it Seth Rogen? No, maybe. Maybe, actually, yeah. Maybe I think I think I, I never saw that movie. I saw clips of it, and I'm I'm thinking, yeah, that probably is very similar to what I just pitched. Paul. Yep. 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 Yeah. S- similar vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my favorites was a bit on Robot Chicken, where it it was. Uh, do you remember that movie where they had to drill into that meteor that was gonna explode into Earth? Um. Yes. That uh, Michael Bay movie. Yeah. So they, it, it's that movie. And they, they land on the meteor, and they're like, okay, we're going to blow it up. And, but then there's, like, a little green alien just, like, sitting on the front there. And it's like, whoa, there's an alien here. It's like, hey, yeah, I'm just, I'm watching the show. Like, what? It's like, well, uh, our planet was going to hit that blue thing over there. And so we sent someone over there to drill into the middle of it and blow it up. It's like, well, no, you're going to hit us. It's like, well, space is all kind of relative if you think about it. And then the two planets, just like, they both explode, and then they both <laughs> crash into each other anyways. <laughs> That's funny. Wasn't that, like, a kind of a thing with Starship Troopers, where, like, the bugs were, like, throwing these meteors from across the cosmos at planets? You know, I don't know much about Starship Troopers. I feel like um, that was a thing. That should that should go on my reading list, I think. Uh, there's actually a weird, like, correlation between Starship Troopers and 40K, where I think Starship Troopers inspired a lot of space marine lore. And what's funny is that in adapting the book to the movie, Starship Troopers like really downgraded the power of the soldiers. Oh yeah, because the the book is very like pro military, pro war, and then the movie is like super anti military, and so, like it's like almost a parody of things. 
But not even that, like, I'm talking the, like, one soldier would conquer a planet, and he was, like, armed with a nuke that could blow up the planet if he needed to. Oh. Like, it was, like, they were literally overpowered, not just the theming. Oh, okay. Um, and it's kind of like the same thing happens in 40k, where there's books about how powerful a space marine is, but then we play the game, it's like you have 50 space marines, and then an orc kills them. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. <laughs> Wog. I need to finish my orcs. I still need to fill, build the last one and then paint them. Oh, they just showed off a new, uh, a new orc team. Let me see. On the football game. Oh yeah. And I really like the the sculpts on these models. But all the uh, all the fan chat is kind of like, hey, if they're gonna sculpt new orcs, we might get new like 40k orcs too. Oh, I like the uh, the headpieces these guys have are pretty cool. Yeah, with, like, the metal teeth, like, stapled to their face. Yeah, that's a very orc thing to do, because it's stupid, but it looks neat. Yeah, it, I love it. Um, they so I'm hoping the they, they make more orc stuff, but I, I like these guys. I, I really like my orc models that I've made so far. They've been really fun. They're, they're so dumb and over the top. They're going to be so much harder to paint than the Space Marines. Just Chaos yeah, Space Marines, I'm sorry, I gotta correct that. They should be fun, though. I, I hope so. I just gotta, like, find some time to do it. And then, like, the one guy, his hair keeps falling off, so I have to figure out how I'm gonna, like, glue-glue that on so it doesn't ship. <laughs> Sorry, the wine's catching up to me. Good night. Yeah, I've noticed the beer is, too, because I'm, like, smacking my lips more. I'm like, shit, I'm gonna have to fix that <laughs> before I send this to you. <laughs> um, so, let's... I wanna go back to Star Trek a bit. We can go back to Star Trek. So, we were talking about Star Trek, right? Yes. Um... So, I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to watching this cartoon. Even though I don't think it's what I want out of Star Trek, I think there's things here to enjoy about it. Yeah. Um, I've actually, recently, I, I hopped back into Star Trek Online. And I'm I'm playing a little bit of that, and it's like... That, that game certainly doesn't treat Star Trek with a lot of reverence. Like, it, it, like, it's not a super serious about all the canon and stuff, like you see in, like, a a Star Wars property where they're very protective. I don't I don't like some of that major reverence though. Like we have to worship this property that was made to please nine year olds, right? Like Yeah. It it's it's <laughs> it's Star Trek, it's Star Wars. Like they're fun. There's a lot of good stuff there, but they're also kinda stupid and that's okay. Like it's okay to have fun with old things. If we're gonna like keep bringing shit back and not make new stuff anymore, we have to at least acknowledge that the old things had some flaws, and it's okay to poke fun and do new stuff with it. Like, I, I... to me, Star so, Trek is a great vessel for stories, both the dumb and the really intelligent. Yeah. Um. They in the game they they've been doing a thing every summer where they add another football. I'm sorry, a baseball team. Okay. Because there was one episode on Deep Space Nine where the captain's like, he just he loves he loves playing those baseball games, and he tried to get like another league to start up. Like he was literally like sending letters to <laughs> to the MLB back on Earth, like please bring back baseball, I miss it. <laughs> and so, and there was an episode where like he challenged some Vulcans to baseball, and he and there's like the whole team playing baseball in the holodeck and stuff. And so they put that in the game where you can get the uniforms based on Star Trek teams and you can get the uniform team colors for your ship. Oh, where it's so like people are like flying around going like Cation Claws. Yeah. And uh, but this year they also added some other stuff, including band T-shirts. So I got this Klingon punk band like tank top on my character. And I'm just chilling on the beach and watching people with their hoverboard race. And it's like, you know, this is kind of fun. It's so silly. <laughs> I want a like, Klingon punk band. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, so you know how they always like refer to themselves as like, like their their introduction is like who their father is. So it's like Worf, son of Moog. Mm -hmm. So the punk band, it's like, it's a photo of four Klingons like standing next to each other and it's black and white. And underneath it is the Sons of None. Oh, nice. And it's like, that's such a punk band name for Klingons. <laughs> it's like a punk band name for freaking um, humans, too. Like, that's I know, clever. but there's like a deep, rebellious nature to that, like, within Klingon culture. So I it like works a as a band name, but also, like, just it looks like a regular shirt. 
Sure. Um, and I just I love the idea of my starship captain like taking a week off to 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 go see the Sons of Nun concert. Comes back with a black eye and he's like, "Man, their mosh pits are crazy." Um, it it's stuff like that that I kind of enjoy. Yeah, for so, sure. So I want to see that stuff in this cartoon. Um, I I want someone to have a a throwaway gag about how they got some some Tholian straw hats, and I'll go, ah, I get it, and I'll be the only one, but it's for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. I don't know. It should be fun. I also want him to oh. find a planet, and just everybody on the planet is Tom Hanks. That would work. I, I feel like, that to me is like a super Rick and Morty style joke, but also just like, oh. That they're all playing him. different um but but that could also be a Star Trek joke because yeah. they, do you remember the episode with the gangsters they like they they found an alien planet where like they long ago they abducted someone from earth and the person had like a book about mobsters and the aliens like modeled their life around New York City 1930s mobsters huh. so it was a planet of New York mobsters for no reason other than they had a mobster set and costumes on the studio floor, and they're like, "Hey, we can use that for an episode. Don't throw it away." <laughs> like, no joke. That's half of the season three Star Trek episodes. Nice. So, if they found a planet <laughs> that was all Tom Hanks, and they go, "What? Why does everyone here look the same?" It's like, "Well, this this looks like a a human from the year two thousand. He he's an actor. Oh, they've been watching Tom Hanks movies, and these changelings all love him so much in his various roles. Like they could actually justify that, and it would be a a Rick and Morty kind of joke, but they could almost play it off. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how far they push this because the guy is actually a fan of Star Trek, and they pretty much approached him and said, "Would you want to do a Star Trek show?" And he was like, "Yes." And I, I understand that it's kind of like Seth MacFarlane, where he wants to actually tell Star Trek stories. Mm-hmm. And part of getting the budget is, okay, I agree to tell jokes. But apparently there's going to be, like, half-serious episodes, too, where there is, like, a plot. Okay. And it's like, okay, I'm I'm actually curious how they do this. Yeah, so the the fans of a thing that finally get to make it there's a certain nervousness to that too, right? Because like the Warcraft movie, the guy that directed and wrote that, I can't remember his name, was a huge yeah. fan of Warcraft. You could tell because he's got all these references and things, and you know he, he lovingly recreated the Gold Shire in. At the same time, that movie was structurally a mess, and so it's just like, you know, it can go, it can go a wrong way. Uh, in this case, I feel like. Star Trek is big enough, and there's enough people working on something like this that someone could be like, no, that's a bad idea. Uh, let's not do that. Oh, so hopefully oh. there's some, like, you know, yeah. fail um, You know what else they did on Star Trek Online, though? Hmm. Uh, so with these new shows and stuff, they've always had, like, crossover things where there's a whole story arc where you, you team up with Picard or, or the Discovery or whatever. And so I was kind of wondering, like, oh, are we going to get crossover content with Lower Decks? I log in... And unceremoniously, I'm presented with um, the the crew, not the crew, but like this these lower deck, you know, minion guys, um, okay. as as my like subordinate loser throwaway characters mm-hmm. that you can send off on little missions on the side. And so they're not like 3D modeled; they're like these little like part of my 500 crew unit. Okay, and it's like that's actually perfect. <laughs> that's all I wanted. I I kind of love that it, they're just like dumped in my lap and it almost like didn't acknowledge that they're special. And to me that's hilarious. So it's like okay, I have a good feeling that they're fully aware of what this is and how to set expectations. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be good. I I will try it. I I will. I we'll have to both watch the 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 first episode when it comes out and and report back. But like I'm excited for it, but then it's like I like that creator a lot. I like what I saw the animation, some of those jokes in the trailer made me laugh. So it's like, yeah, like I have no reason to be upset, anyways. Yeah, and I I think um, it's very easy to be upset. It's trendy. Um. Um. So I guess I want to ask one more question about Star Trek. Okay. What What do you think it should be? Like if if. You, if you were told to produce a new Star Trek, 
What what approach do you think the show would take? God, I don't know. Um, I like I like mystery stuff with space, right? Uh, things that like Halo does a lot, where you have like these ancient technology things that everybody's dead, but the 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 relics are still there, and you're exploring them. And so, to me, Star Trek would maybe involve something like that. They they've got a group of people that wind up in a galaxy or a system or whatever, and there's just it's like they they they're in this like dead museum of of planets and stars and there's like a half a Dyson sphere and it's just like what the fuck happened here? Let's figure it out. And and maybe they meet new aliens, maybe they only find uh skeletons and shit, but like the idea of this big space mystery that we're we're, we're trying to solve and I don't know if that's there, there's there's episodes of Star Trek that deal with shit like that, but like to to make like a huge multi-episode story about, like, this one thing, I think could be kind of cool. But it really is, in that case, just like, oh, well, what would be a fun vessel to tell a sci-fi story? It's like, oh, well, let's use Star Trek, we can just do this. But I do think, like, the, there's that, we're exploring space, we, we're humans, we, we've done this, we're conquering, you know, another thing we can conquer, but in a more positive way. And then it's like, you, you run into this shell of a galaxy, everybody's dead, there's, like, maybe weapons that are broken, or... I don't know. I, you, I think you could have some fun with that. What about you? What would you do? I think whatever I do, I would just make sure it's not a prequel. Yeah. Um, I think what I would actually want to do... Like, if I was the creative lead, then I would, I would figure out, like, what kind of story I want to tell. But when dealing with a property with such a long tooth... I would love to hear pitches from whatever talent was interested in it. Oh, so if sure. that means like hearing out a Rick and Morty pitch, I'm like, well, Rick and Morty, I don't know about that. Let's hear it out. And I hear the pitch, and it's like, okay, maybe that works. Um, I think w- one of the things I've heard talked about was a Klingon-focused show. Well, that People fun. love Klingons. And if if I want to humor that thought a bit, I think the problem with Klingons is they're very two-dimensional. Uh, people love to dress up as Klingons and learn the language and talk about honor. And there's, uh, yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. But something that people like to bring up is like they're also like they're pretty much like orcs where they're all just like angry all the time. And it's like I bet there's like Klingon scientists that make the spaceships, and they just they put their warriors in the spaceship. Yeah, I always think about that with, like, the Predator, right? And it's just, like, there's so little we know about Predator culture, but what we do know is they have spaceships, they have really advanced technology, and they like to hunt people. Oh, like, man, I, I want to... We have to do that show. You you said that we should do, like, a a Predator versus Alien episode. Yeah. Where we, like, write our own scripts, you know? I was thinking so much about Predators, and I have this, like, super cool opening I can't wait to share. I will put no work into this and make shit up on the spot, so together we will make a one-hour episode. You want to try doing that next week? Yeah, like that could be fun. Let's do it. Let's do that next week. Um, But yeah, it, similarly, I think it would be interesting to have a Klingon show that acknowledged that there's more than one type of personality. Right. The difficulty is working with the established lore that seems really dead set on not acknowledging more than one personality. <laughs> yeah. Um the other thing I keep hearing a lot of is uh like Starfleet Academy and they should have a a show that's based in San Francisco and it takes place at the academy. And it's like I don't know why fans keep asking for that cuz I hate the sound of school. Yeah, I um, feel like putting things in a school it's interesting if you're a certain age or stuck in a certain mindset. Like, Harry Potter was great when I was 12 because, oh, I have to go to school. This guy's got to go to school, but he's going to a magic school. So that's cool. I want to I know what it's like to go to magic school. But now I'm an adult and I read about Harry going to magic school. I'm like, man, magic school is fucking stupid. All of those kids are blithering idiots when they graduate. No wonder wizard life is awful and everyone's dumb and shitting their robes. Like, it doesn't. But it's worse than that. Yeah, it, it, it's. It's not just that. Like, with Harry Potter, you're introduced to this world. With Star Trek, it's like, imagine if Harry Potter was an adult, and we watched, um, let's just say, about 10 years worth of Harry Potter's 
adventures in the wizard FBI and all the crimes he solved and all the spells he conquered. And then we go, but where did Harry Potter go to school? Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, when you frame it that way. <laughs> what if you learned about trolls? We Remember that one season where they fought the troll army? I mean, like, what... What what if he only saw one troll in the bathroom? Mm. It it feels like a step backwards where it's like I I think some people have a fondness of their time in both college or even like military training and boot camp kind of a thing. There's like a there's a romance to the culture of a, of being young and exposed to new things and like oh the hazing and the that guy and the this thing and the learning experiences. And coming together as a unit and, and you come out better on the other end. Right. I I don't personally care that much. No. <laughs> but I do see that suggestion come up from time to time. It's like, if you really want that stuff, go read Ender's Game. They do all that shit already. It's been done. Or watch watch Police Academy. Yeah. The, the one guy, he makes sound effects. Pew pew. <laughs> um... <laughs> So I don't know. I I feel like right now there's too much Star Trek because they also announced like there's a there's Discovery season three is coming, Picard season two is coming, cartoon is coming on CBS, another cartoon is coming on Nickelodeon, and then a spin-off of Discovery is coming. So that's five active shows running at the same time. That's too much. That's too much. And I, I think if they were to spin Discovery into the spinoff, that would help a little bit. Uh, if there was more child demand for Star Trek, I wouldn't mind the Nickelodeon one. But it seems like a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. So I don't know. Sort of like when when Disney got Star Wars, and like, we're going to do a new Star Wars movie every year. And it's like, <laughs> that seems like a lot. And then it, it was. And this is more than that. Boy, oh, did you hear about uh, Black Widow? No, what happened with that now? So, um, in a couple months, you can buy it for $30. Oh, yeah, and Disney's doing that with uh, Mulan as well. And Mulan, yeah. And I, I feel like Black Widow might be one of the least popular Avengers in the movies. And she's also gotten a lot of screen time, even if it wasn't always, like, front stage screen time. Yeah. Now's a weird time to say, "Hey, pay thirty dollars." I, 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 I think I'm maybe just speaking for myself, but I'm a little burnt out on Marvel. Like oh, when when I Endgame came out, Marvel I was anymore. like, "Yep, I'm good. I'm good. I'm done." Yeah, Mulan is an interesting one. Like, I'm definitely in the position where I would rather pay more money to watch a movie that just came out at my own house than to go to a movie theater and possibly have to put up with kids and drunk adults. And so I, I'm, I kind of yeah. want to see Mulan. It's like, do I want to see Mulan for $30, though? That's the thing. I really want to see Mulan. But I'm also thinking, like, as much as I, I would like to... Honestly, I'd pay, like, the $12 movie ticket. But at the same time, it's like when I think about $30 to watch something on my little screen. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, $30? You mean a orc unit that I can paint? While I'm watching one of the five million movies on Disney Plus right now already. Right, and like the thirty dollar orc unit set I got, it's gonna yeah, that's gonna give me like twelve to fourteen hours worth of enjoyment. Versus, on top of just looking nice on the shelf when you're done with it too. Yeah, thirty dollars is a big ask to rent a movie. I get why they don't want to do twelve because it's like oh well you can get like twenty people in your house and only rent it for twelve dollars and then all those people sell it for basically free. And it's like yeah, yeah there's but. A there's, there's a weird thing where, like, for if you have a family of, like, four or five kids, you know, you're looking at that value adding up. Yeah. But me being single, who never pays full price for a movie ticket, I buy, like, a $8 ticket. Mm-hmm. So, for me, going from 8 to 30 is, like, what is wrong with you? But also, if I were to buy the $8 movie ticket and then later buy it on DVD, well, that's $30. Yeah. So I understand where they came to the price point, but it just looks bad when you look at it. Yeah. So it's 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 a weird thing where you can't really win. I, I watch a lot of movies with my family yet, so like 
okay, $30, we'll, we'll divide that by four because there's four of us. And it's like, okay, that's, that checks out, right? That's not so bad. Um, and then we don't have to put up with the movie theater or, you know, we can make our own goddamn popcorn or whatever. It, it still feels like, you know, you recontextualize it and it's fine, but then you're still swiping that credit card and you're like, man, $30 to see a movie. <laughs> what if we don't like it? Yeah. I mean, with, with the movie theater, I, the experience of going to the theater is very important to me. That, that is part of the enjoyment. Sure. So if I'm in the big theater seats with my popcorn and everything, it's like, yeah, I'm paying too much for this two hour distraction, but I'm getting fun out of it. Yeah. If I'm sitting at home, it's like, man, I could, uh, I, I don't know. I, I told you I was watching this Chris Chan documentary series. Yep. I mean, these are like 40 minutes each. They're like actual TV episodes. There's 40 of them. And this guy put them out for free. They're just on YouTube. And it's like, I'm almost getting more out of this than I do from other subscription services. Like, the the value of this is so interesting and captivating versus when I turn on Netflix for white noise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it's weird. Um, There's a debate going on right now about the video games and how, like, some games might go up to $70. And people are just, they're saying, like, I'll just stop buying video games then. I guess I'm just going to pirate everything moving forward. And it's like, what confuses me the most is that, like, the new Pokemon game cost $100. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why people think that things only cost blank. Yeah. Like, there's not different value that goes into things, and there's not... It's, it's bizarre to me that... it's Well, it's like a soundtrack. If you want to buy a video game soundtrack, like, sometimes these CDs cost $30. Oh, for sure. And then also, you're buying, like, a $50 game... That it has the soundtrack on it, on top of the hours of actual gameplay and the and the programming and art design and everything, and it's like these numbers are completely arbitrary. So I don't know why people say like, "Oh, that costs too much." It's like based on what? What do you, what is your math to come to that conclusion? I understand having an emotional reaction, but people act like they're economists, experts, and they understand the whole like business model. And it's like you don't know jack shit about their internal workings and what they're paying people. Right. Well, Fuck also, off. To me, like, with a soundtrack, too, like, most video game soundtracks, you're getting, like, four hours worth of music. It's not like you're getting a 40-minute CD. You're getting all the ambient shit and all the stuff that you don't think about, but they're gonna put it on there. So you're getting a lot of content, and if they're printing physical albums, that costs money, and so, you know, they're, they're recouping costs for a very niche product that only small percentage of people who buy their games actually want. Uh, typically, if you're going to buy that stuff digitally, it's going to be a lot cheaper. Oh, and but then this is where the irony comes in. So I think about the games that I like the most, and one of the most important games to me is Warframe, which is literally free, mm-hmm. and has some of the best art design I've seen, and this really cool music, like the soundtrack, the ambience, all these like cool designs that are totally unique, and it's all free. And it's like, what, like, how is this game free? It's better than Destiny. And that was like a triple-A budget, huge 10-year commitment ordeal from the biggest company in the industry. Right. And it's like, oh, no, Warframe turned out better. And so how do... This is so weird. I mean, they must um, be doing well with the microtransactions. Oh, yeah. I think that that is a certain part of it. But then that means that it's totally opt-in. So if you're some sort of big baby that, like, out of principle refuses to pay for entertainment... You can do that. Yep. That's a totally valid uh, way to play the game if you want. Um, I Last weekend was TennoCon, and that was so much fun. Even though it was all digital, everyone's, like, watching at once, and they had, like, record logins on the game, and everybody got a free uh, Hydroid Prime and a new gun that just came out and a new uh, melee weapon, and all, there was all kinds of cool news. that You can rework stuff now. We can actually rearrange your abilities. Oh, cool. So you can you can take a Warframe you don't like anymore and take one of its abilities out and put it on another Warframe. So you can mix and match them. And it's like, that sounds game-breaking. Like that, You could get some overpowered combos out of that. Yeah. It's like everyone cannot wait to try it out. Like, everyone's excited. That is pretty And it's cool. like, I just, I just went to a free convention for this free video game that did nothing but bring me joy. 
What a what a great time to be alive, I guess. It it is kind of neat. Like I watched some of the Meg sixty four stuff when they did their con, uh, and just like the Joku thing, right? Whereas I'm the Joker crossed with Goku, and we're gonna do a spirit bomb. Everybody laugh. <laughs> yes, and I love that. That was like the funniest fucking thing I've seen in a while. And it's just like, no, this is a free thing I can consume on Twitter. This is great. <laughs> and then they're talking about you know on their podcast like this this thing they did this like digital con was really profitable for them like they sold more merch than they thought they would they're like reprinting stuff it people are really like thirsty for this kind of content right now i know there's a lot of bands doing uh streamable concerts just like they'll rent a venue or they're doing it in their garage or whatever and they're getting good turnouts because people want fucking concerts and this is the only way we can get them but it is nice to see these bands like making some money off of this stuff because i know there's a lot of them that are struggling Totally. Oh boy. Oh, I guess it's just it's about making the best of what you got. Um, yeah, for sure. We have been chatting for an hour. Do you want to wrap up? Yeah, we can do that. Do you have any? Do you have any closing comments about your favorite Star Trek episode? No, I've heard the That's flute good. one's good. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember the one in Voyager where the where where Neelix and Tuvok accidentally got fused in the transporter? Nope. So he became a new person. It was Tuvix. Mm. And he was basically, like, he was literally the best of both. Where he was this fun, entertaining chef that was also, like, as brilliant as a Vulcan. And everyone loved him. Like, he was friends with everybody. And it literally just, he it improved his life. And he was, like, the happiest person on the ship. And everyone loved him. And then they figured out a way, oh, we can reverse it and turn him back into Tuvok and Neelix again. And so they, like, oh, don't worry, we can cure your your terrible accident. And he's like, well, I don't want to be cured. I'm happier like this. And they're like, well, yeah, but I mean, we should we should take you back to how you were. And he's like, well, no, I don't want to be back. And they they literally force him. Oh no! It's just it's one of the best episodes because it it introduces this deep philosophical question of like the, you have the means to basically kill two people off and save one person or kill one person to save two. And do you just like, do you not go back out of principle of going backwards? Like is, is sacrificing two people worth the one person when only the one person is there to defend himself? Is it fair that the other two don't get the say? Like it's so complicated. Right. And Janeway forces them to split up and it's just, it's left with this thing where they don't tell you, and it was a happy ending. It, it leaves you with the question that fans have been debating for the past twenty years. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't expect anything that deep in the cartoon. Probably not. <laughs> um. Yeah. So you got a glad space. Yeah. So uh, on Saturday, my because I have a bass guitar, but I don't have a bass amp, which is wrong because now I have a bass amp. Um. My brother. Decided to get me one and, and finish off the gift. And we, we found a pretty cheap one as far as bass amps goes, under 200 bucks uh, locally. And so I've been playing the, the bass guitar like every day since I got that thing now, just because, yeah, you, you hit a string and it makes noise. Like, that's how this is supposed to work. But it's really, it's fucking cool having one of those. I plug it in, I set the computer on, I strum around, I'm trying to learn a Metallica song. That's really fucking hard. Uh, but I've, I I've imagine. Yeah, I've been having fun with the the bass guitar this week. Oh, excuse me, I burped. Bass guitars are cool. Yeah, it makes a nice boom. Um, I so I I've, I've been trying to like be more mindful to not buy garbage I don't need. Okay. And then they they came out with this garbage I don't need, and I love it. Uh, are, are you familiar with um hexbugs? I don't think so. They're these little toys where it's like a little cockroach. It's like a little plastic cockroach with a battery in it that vibrates, so it oh, like scoots around. Yeah. So they make like more complicated ones, like big robot crab or whatever that walks on legs. Uh, they came out with these blind box garbage robots, which is like those are three words that I like. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they come in. It it literally it's like a garbage bin that's chained up with a little plastic chain. Oh, nice. And you, and you, like, snap open the chain, and inside of it is just garbage. There's, like, loose pieces and cardboard 
like they're little miniature like cardboard cereal boxes and trash bags. So you have to like tear open the trash bags and there's more loose pieces in there. And you're able to fit it together to make a robot. And there's like 32 robots that are all made out of garbage. <laughs> and so I, I got one and I was like, well, this looks kind of cute. And I and I love him so much. <laughs> Look at him. He's got he's a little crab. He's got little pinchy claws, and he's all like lopsided and goofy looking. He is pretty lopsided and goofy looking. Um, they are they they're so cute. I love almost all the designs. Like that's really critical for a blind box. Is that statistically you want to be happy with the end result? Yeah. If you only get one. So whenever there's like bad odds, that I'll be happy. I don't touch it. But with this, it's like, oh, I could get almost any of these and I'll be happy with it. But I love this crab, dude. Yeah, he's pretty fun. So he's on my desk now. He makes me happy. Nice. Oh. I guess the bigger ones, too. Like, there's a, there's like a bigger box where it comes with multiple ones. But apparently they're actually better quality where they actually have, like, they light up or they have extra bits that move and things. They're, like, electronic. Oh, cool. I'm happy with this cheapy little plastic dude that doesn't do anything. He just looks good on my pile of trash here. Yeah. I was going to say, I have, a, I have kind of a second um, glad space. We, we, uh, it was a week or two ago we talked about ASMR. Yes. And I was talking about I, that, that Fred's Voice uh, YouTube channel. So I watched another one of his videos. I got through it this week. He has one where he's, uh, he's the Joker from Batman. He's Heath Ledger's Joker. He's kidnapped a rich person, and he's basically, like, threatening and convincing this person to join the Joker bank. He's stealing this money. And uh, so it's a whole ASMR video where he's talking about his Joker bank and how they're going to use the money to overthrow the Batman. And he's got, like, a keyboard. He's entering your data. And he's like, what's your what, what's your occupation? He's like, no, 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 you are. And he types in C-L-O-W, and he's like, you're a clown now. And it goes on for, like, 50 <laughs> fucking minutes. And it's... It is like it is legitimately a better Joker than the one in uh, Suicide Squad. <laughs> Easy, easily better. But also like the the story that's going on. Like I was like literally engaged. I was like I want to know. I want to know how this is gonna end because it it's like a a compelling like this this crazy man kidnapped a rich person, stole all his money, and is like you're investing in my crime bank. We're going to destroy Gotham, whether you like it or not. It's like. That's a Joker thing to do. That's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. So I, I do recommend people go check that out. It is like, you don't have to watch the whole thing. Watch like the first five or ten minutes and watch the last five or ten minutes unless you actually are getting something out of it. Which, I mean, I, I was I was having a good time with the whole video. But it is, it is like legitimately really funny. It's very clever. Yeah, that actually does sound pretty clever. <laughs> I don't, you know, I wish... Um, I, it was one thing I wanted to mention about the TV shows. I know we're closing out, but... I think my problem with Discovery and Picard is that both of them really do that... Like, it's like they're treating the show like it's Lost or Heroes, where it's like, oh, we have to have a season-long arc. Oh, sure. And it's like, why don't why don't TV shows do episodic things anymore? I think I would like an actually decent Batman TV show right now, but there's just there's too much superhero stuff going on where it's like now nah, now is not the right time. Sure, I guess. Oh boy, this has been a good episode. I think I had some fun. That's good. I sometimes I worry bringing up Star Trek because I know you don't, you don't watch a whole lot. So I don't want to just bore you while I, I talk mean, about I, nerd stuff. I know about Star Trek enough to have a conversation, though. So it's not like that's a... It, no, this is good. I, I waxed Yay. poetic about freaking screaming for like 12 goddamn minutes in the beginning. So people don't fast forward through that. Yay! We can both be insecure. I hate, I hate Spotify. This podcast will never be on Spotify. Well, I hate all my... Is. All my favorite podcasts are moving to Spotify, so I can't listen to them anymore, and oh. it's really pissing me off. Apparently, um, uh, Audible is going to go back further into podcasts. Like, I, I, I actually submitted the comics podcast to Audible and and a couple other options that I didn't know about, but I got an email like, "Hey, you can do this." And I was like, "Okay, what the fuck?" Okay, more people I, can hate my show. I don't picture people that 
use Audible thinking like, oh, I'll listen to my podcast through the same app. Yeah, I would never do that. Um, I don't. I, I, I kind of get where Spotify is coming from. It's just that their podcast doesn't work. Mm. Like it, it doesn't do. It doesn't have basic features that every other podcatcher does. So if they fix it, that'll be great. But right now, I, I'm having a lot of trouble. I'm nodding. Better use of your Spotify time is to listen to the new Taylor Swift album because it's fucking amazing. I don't even. I don't know how the music works on Spotify. Do you have to pay for that? No, you can listen to it for free, but there's ads. So again, there's like free entertainment, but people complain about spending too much, and it's like, well, just have free entertainment and shut up. Pretty much. Ah. Now I'm angry again. Okay, second glad space. I love you. Kisses. Yeah, goodbye, Richard. Goodbye, Richard. Richard got kittens. We love you, kittens.